Boom, we're back. It's not Sunday though, it's Monday. Um, I, I really wanted to interview this buddy of mine and uh, we uh, worked out our schedule to make it happen for Monday. You know, I've, uh, I've been following him since high school. You know, he's a fellow San Franciscan, born and raised. He is a creative uh, YouTuber. He has his own YouTube channel. I mean, we're going to focus on that, but I really want all of you to know kind of his background and how, to a certain extent, how he got to where he is now and where he's going to go. Um, he is the creator of After School, a YouTube channel with 1.4 million subscribers that aims to enhance profound ideas with art. We're going to get to see a little bit of that. So After School covers a wide range of topics that you won't usually hear or see in like a traditional classroom setting. We'll talk about how that was for him with, uh, you know, he covers topics from sacred geometry to magic mushrooms. Uh, I give to you all the one and only Mark Wooding. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Yo, thanks for doing this again. You know, um, we haven't touched base. We haven't touched base since high school. And in high school, we only crossed paths. Mind you, it was a large high school. Um, and we're going to get into that. And uh, just kind of introduce yourself real quick. I already did a quick intro, but just say what's up <laughs> to folks at Real City Ambassadors. That, that was a great intro. When you were saying it, I was like, who's he talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, like a, a lot of times I'm just, I don't even know how I got here. Uh -huh. It's surreal, like just life in general. And, but you look exactly the same as you did in high school, like I said before. Thank you, man. I, I, yeah, that's, that's been, good. Bro, well, you haven't changed either, which is a good thing. Haven't evolved at all. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are, man. Here, let me just pull up. Uh, I have I have a message for you, and that's going to be our first. Uh, this is how we're going to start our conversation. So, look, I'm going to send a photo. I'm going to share it with, with the public. Does that ring a bell? And if it doesn't, that's fine. That rings a bell for me. I don't think it'll ring a bell for anybody else. But what is what? Is, <laughs> let me see. Let me have you take a stab at it. Wow, you did you did some research. So I did a little bit of research. So I was drawing before I could even walk or crawl. My parents yeah. would just throw down a, a paper, and I would just I could I could barely hold the pen. Uh -huh. so I pulled it like that, and from the point of being a toddler all the way to like second grade, that's how I held the pen. And my teachers were like. You need to change, change, change. And all my first paintings, everything, I actually wrote everything backwards as well. So my teachers were just nice. like, this kid's a lost student. He's a lost cause. I wrote everything backwards. That's why my company's called uh, Cram Gallery, because it's my name backwards. All my old art was K-R-A-M. So like, even to this day, I can like read backwards almost as well as I can read forwards. It's kind of like this weird thing in my mind. That's um, incredible. I can't read that well, so. <laughs> but what you do read, you read well. Okay, so the story goes, and I, I got a hold of Dylan Murphy, um, and I'm gonna read from uh, from the IG. He says, "But I remember once when we were little kids playing soccer at the park. We went back to his house or my house with my brother, and and we we started just he started messing around. He started painting, drawing, and all kinds of shit. And you drew a, the sockets dragon." And it was like the best thing he's ever seen in his life in 10 minutes. And then he and his brother tried to recreate it all day after that and couldn't come close to it. Wow. But he, he said <laughs> the one thing he remembers that you were holding your pen or pencil like that. 
I should probably try to go back to doing that and see if I can still do that. Uh -huh. Yeah, I, I actually remember that at, at Nick and Dylan's house. Yeah, those are good times. I know, I know. So tell us about where you started in school since we're, we're in the um, childhood. Yeah, so I, I, lo I love what you're doing with your, your city-themed podcast. Um, it's good to see San Francisco getting represented by the locals. It's kind of like the unsung voice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was born and raised in the city, went to public school the whole time. Uh, then I uh, went to Lowell with you. What elementary school, though? Uh, rooftop. Rooftop. Yeah. K through eight. Um, there's probably right, there's, let me bring it up real quick. This one right here. That looks familiar. Yeah. So tell me about rooftop. What was it like? Um, um, you, I mean, you know, I was really blessed to go to rooftop. Uh, it's like you don't know how blessed you are until later on you, you go out into the real world and or the world and you see how things really are. But rooftop was like, it was so diverse. Mm. And from day one, you're in a you're in a an environment with so many different people that you kind of just think that's the way the world is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I've taken that mindset onto my life. Like, I'll talk to anybody. I'll talk to like a homeless veteran. I'll talk to like an entrepreneur. I'll talk to like some. I'll, I'll talk to anybody. And that's I think so that's something I got from from rooftop, or you know, we hear the term echo chamber a lot, where people get in these like little bubbles and they. They just hang out with people that kind of reiterate their own ideas back to them. Yeah. Something from rooftop is we're just, we were so different. And um, when you're around different people, it actually makes you more creative because I, mm -hmm. I think that creation is you're kind of connecting all the dots of experience and you're synthesizing it into one thing. And um, so I was really like, I travel a lot. And um, each time I travel, I try to bring something back, like the art from Japan or yeah. images from Egypt or South America, you know, I try to fuse it all together. But you know what's funny about growing up in San Francisco, and you, you nailed it, um, you're, you get exposed to other cultures, like, mm -hmm. you know, not necessarily only from books, but from the people that you speak with. You know, I went to elementary school in Chinatown, brown kid, spoke only Spanish to that. I was born and raised in San Francisco, moved to yeah. Mexico anyways, came back. And I was like, all of a sudden, damn, I got to learn Cantonese <laughs> and learn about the Chinese tradition, you know? Um, so again, yes, it, it, going back, then I, you know, traveling made me realize that I was in a bubble and we, we are, or we were in a bubble here in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So you did K through eight, right? What was middle right. school like for you? Even though it's the same school, you know, all of a sudden now you're just kind of <laughs> more aware of who you are, the people around you. What, what were you involved with or what were things you were passionate about? Um, I'm very thankful for everything that's happened. Man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember rooftop. <laughs> um, I remember there was a lot of like bullying and like funny teasing going on. And yeah. those things like really like prepare you for chaos later in life, you know, getting yeah. bullied and, and like, I didn't get bullied that much, but there was a lot of chaos at that school. And, but the good side of Rooftop, I remember um, they really encouraged uh, artists. They had a really strong art program. Mm. Um, that art teacher from Rooftop has been messaging me constantly since Rooftop. We talk all the time. We still have a really, I have no relationship like that with any other art teacher. Can and, you uh, shout out? Or you her name is uh, Cindy Sugawara. Yeah, shout Cindy? out. Cindy? Cindy Sugawara. And, uh, I'm still, you know, it's it's weird how you never forget 
the the kids and the parents of of your friends from like elementary school like mm -hmm. i don't i don't really know any of the parents from from lowell like high school i don't know any of my friends parents from college really or after college but all the parents of my friends that from middle school and like elementary school like they're almost like my second parents you know really we still keep in touch i don't know if that's normal but that's um, no I, I, I maybe not but it sounds like it was a really close knit group of people at rooftop yeah i think there's a the class was only 60 so coming from that to lowell where it wasn't quite as diverse and it was huge you're kind of just you go from this little artistic community to you're just thrown into this giant abyss of lowell yeah was that kind of like a shocker for you and like did some of the folks at rooftop go to lowell we did and we we made a little pact actually oh, when yeah we were like all right you know what we, we were like little enemies we had our feuds at a rooftop but when we go to lowell we're going to be best friends and that worked out pretty well yeah. i mean over there at, at lowell I, I think you were part of the womp crew <laughs> oh god i haven't heard that name in a long time <laughs> <laughs> what <No>. is womp <laughs> uh, you can say womp. anything you can curse it's fine bro I haven't thought about this in so long. Uh, Womp is our last names. It's the first letter of all our last names. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> I'm still, I still keep in touch with these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're all, we all went our different paths, but we're all still, still homies. But um, you know, and I remember like crossing paths with you mainly like a cafeteria or like outside. Here's another photo that I pulled up real quick from the <clears throat> high school. Um, you know, so you still keep in touch with folks. Um, this is a funny picture because I, I didn't even, I got suspended the last week of school. So I didn't what? even graduate. So I just, I was all bummed and my whole family was pissed at me. Holy and uh, what did you do? I was like, you know what? Even though I'm not going to graduation, like I still went to the school for four years and worked my butt off. Uh -huh. like, they're not going to take this away from me. So I still put on the gown. <laughs> they wouldn't allow me to go in, but I still pretended. <laughs> and I was like, I did. I still graduated. Like, Are you kidding me, bro? Down. Oh, so, bro. They, your parents must have been hella pissed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But look at you, man. Look at you over here being a rebel. Yo, by the way, Elaine Chen is tuning in. Elaine Chen, sorry. She says, what's up? How you doing? I think she was a art. Elaine, are, Elaine, are you are you or are you below? I forget, man. This like, is interactive. All, all the oh. years started like crisscrossing. I forget. I'm getting old. That's what's happening. I'm 30, bro. But look, I wanted to show this this um, photo. Well, it's really an article online, but you know, um, people knew you were inclined in the arts. Like all, all your homies knew that you had a gift, talent. But then this really kind of made you stand out. Tell mm. me what uh, that story behind you creating artistic pieces on shoes was all about? Man, you are like, I'm, I'm having to dig deep to answer these questions. Oh yeah, that's what I wanted to do, bro. Dig deep. You know, it's crazy how the world works in cycles. Yeah. And like, you know, this happens in what, 2005, this happened. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. this year, the same author, Heather Knight, I got in touch with her and she's like, how's everything going? And I'm like, I'm actually a YouTuber now. And uh, she's like, let's do another story. Get out. Um, I'm going to pull that article as well. Yeah, in cycles. The shoe thing was cool because um, I guess that was pretty much my, my launching point. Um, so from this article, I got a bunch of emails 
from mm. one from a company that's based out of San Francisco called Timbuktu. They make like yeah. biker bags. Yeah. And they wanted me to draw in their bags and then auction those bags off. So um, I did that. And then I, that turned into an actual internship. So is I, there, I was, like, um, are, is, are those bags online somewhere? Um, I'm not sure. And it's weird because my mentor at Timbuktu was named Andrew Chow. And that is the inventor of Boba Guys. Whoa. So when I was at Timbuktu, he was telling me about his ideas about Boba Guys. And we were looking at logos for Boba. And it's weird. We went our separate ways and we both did different things. And now it's like, it's crazy to see how big Boba Guys is, you know? Wow, that's incredible. So did you work with him to create the design for Boba Guys? or? Mm -hmm. I, I didn't I didn't make that logo, but I remember looking at like mock-ups of different logos and I, I remember how much he liked that one and I was like, I don't know about that anteater thing. How does that relate to Boba? But he he liked it and it works. So cool. You know what I just found online right now, just kind of dabbling. So this is you, right? This is my old website. Yeah. Nice. So do you highlight here some of the uh the work you did with um, Timbuktu? Um, God, I haven't looked at this website in so long. <laughs> I'm taking it down because I still get emails from it. And Well, let's know. talk about it. So what I just saw, though, that I do want to talk about. So here's an example of the shoes that you were uh, custom customizing for people. Yeah, I still have those. You still have those? I think I still have these. So did you did you just get the homies and you painted their shoes or did people start buying them off of you? What's how did how did this oh. all unfold? <laughs> the good thing about painting on shoes is it's like an advertisement for itself. Like you paint mm -hmm. a pair of shoes, you get five more calls from other people. Mm -hmm. It's almost like what I do with animation. You make one video, yeah, like ten other people contacting you about making a video for them. So um, it's like self. It, it promotes itself. And who's a KT? Uh, that's my friend from college, Kevin Tang. Um, uh -huh. These were for a party, blacklight party. Nice. Uh, right. Oh, so you you still kept doing this uh, into college, or, or, or? Yeah, actually, in college, this was like how I paid for my groceries and my like. I would do. I was doing like two or three pairs of shoes a day. What? I, think I sold each pair for like fifty. 60 bucks Bro. so there was a time when it was like really cranking um you were not you know, it's one of those things that you can't scale like you can only create so many shoes right yeah 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 same thing with videos and so let's talk about getting into the video but before that you know i'll just highlight the um your yeah. After school, you know, the one and only. There where it is. Like, well, where, where did the idea come? Um, <clears throat> how did the um, name originate? So in college, I studied art at UC Santa Cruz. And uh, I, I somehow got into video editing. I was forced to take other classes besides art at college, and I fell in love with video editing. Mm. And when I got out of college, I was like, all right, how do I combine these two 
skills. And I, I got put onto a project where we were making an online class for veterans uh, about PTSD. And my job was to make that class more entertaining. So we'd like record a teacher and then I would try to edit that video and make it more entertaining. And I just started kind of experimenting with recording myself drawing and the students loved it. And from just doing that, that exploded into like one demand after another demand, people wanted um, more videos. And then my second video was about how to like uh, properly put on a condom. And <laughs> that, that went big. So <laughs> no pun intended. Um, <laughs> I was kind of like shocked that all these people wanted, wanted video. It was similar to the shoe thing. Like yeah. you just try something and then people like it. And like, there's a lot of things I tried that nobody liked. Uh-huh. Can you name some of those things that you I tried, tried nobody liked? Some toilet bowl company. A where toilet like bowl company? 49ers logo on a toilet bowl, and we'd have like a customized shower curtain with like a customized plunger. Like it'd be like a Giants themed plunger with like a baseball at the top of it. Uh -huh. And that was just, that did not take off. <laughs> <laughs> and what, um, else, what else have you tried? Um, gosh, so many things. There was a, I had an idea for a video game where it was like Guitar Hero, but for public speaking. So you would be like Martin Luther King and you'd try to say his speech. And this would be to get you better at public speaking. Yeah. Uh, kind of like a game and a skill creator. Uh, that kind of fizzled out because I didn't know how to make the game. <laughs> but Interesting. yeah, that's just one of many. So I want to, you know, I want to show a quick video so people really can, I mean, if they haven't already tuned in, because I mean, you only got 1.4 million followers. But if they haven't seen this, you know, and don't know the, the type of art that you do, um, here's a damn good example. Let me pull it up real quick. I'm not gonna put any sound because I just want to talk over this and I want to like kind of learn about your experience because I know you flew all the way out to France. Mm. <clears throat> Tell me about this experience being hired by, was it UNESCO itself or is it another company? Man, this is another one of those experiences that when I got there, I didn't even know how this happened to me. Like a lot of these things happen and I'm just like, this is crazy. I don't know how I got here. Uh, so I got an email. I didn't even know if it was a scam or what. They said, we want to take fly you out to France. I'm mm -hmm. like, are there a million other artists in France that can do this? But, uh -huh. you know, um, one of my mantras is, is some people see difficulty and opportunity. Mm. Other people see opportunity in every difficulty. Mm. So um, when opportunity comes comes around, you got to take it. You got to say yes. Yeah. If you, you know, everybody gets a few opportunities in life. You got to jump on it. So this was like a no brainer. I'm like, all right, even if it is a scam, yeah, France, like whatever. So I, I show up. Like I didn't even know if they were ready for me to come. I go to the gates. I got my bags. I'm like, hey, I'm this artist. And they're like, you know, they have a list. Like, who is this guy? Uh-huh. Uh, eventually. Yeah, scam. Uh -huh. But this this piece was surreal because you can't see it. But right next to me in this uh, lobby area, this is right across the street from the Eiffel Tower. There is a mural that was done by Picasso. Whoa. It's like right next to my mural. Whoa. And I'm just like tripping out because you know, here's Picasso. And then I, I have no business being yeah. anywhere near a Picasso mural. So. And uh, this was supposed to be taken down and destroyed when I finished, uh -huh. um, but they decided to preserve it. So they, 
<clears throat> they, uh, I guess they yeah, put hairspray on it, which preserves it or in some other things. So it's still there in that building. I, I think it's not in the same place, but it still exists. So how did you get invited? Did you know some of the people that were involved in this project? One and two, did they ask, did they vet you? Or like, did you have to draw something that, that said, this is what I'm gonna do the day of or the days of? I, th I think, I remember being really surprised by how much freedom they gave me. They yeah. just like, I just showed up, there was a board there and I just started drawing stuff. And, and I took a lot of feedback from the audience. Like oh. people would walk by. I think the whole flag thing on the top left started, yeah. I, I was like, draw my flag. I was like, all right. And then once I drew that flag, then somebody else come up, no, you got to draw my flag. And then, <laughs> then you know, you, you can't Let's leave see, it. Was there a Mexican there? I don't think there was a Mexican. God damn it, Mexico. <laughs> I'm sure Mexico's on there. I wouldn't miss that one. I think, oh, I think I see a little eagle right there. Uh -huh. yeah. so then what happened? Does it oh, it's it was cool. very interactive, what you're saying. It was more like a call and response sometimes. Is that? Um, I'm sorry? What'd was it like a call and response sort of like, what do you think about this? Or, you know, because you said you were getting feedback. <clears throat> One of the, the cool thing about this, um, this youth forum was there was two ambassadors from every country. And I think each person was under the age of like 24 or something. Wow. So there was two young people from every, pretty much every country on earth came to this thing. It was like a UN gathering. So it was funny how like different cultures interact with the art. Like most most cultures stay really far back and they'll like they'll take a picture from like 50 yards away. And but some some cultures just get right up, they'll grab a piece of chalk and they'll start drawing your thing and you're like, oh okay. Like really? You know, I, I try not to like be too much of like a perfectionist with these things. So I'm like, okay, like I'll turn whatever you drew into like something else. Like, you know. Kudos, kudos, man. Yeah. Um, I want, wait, I, I was gonna ask you something about, God, I forgot. I was gonna ask okay. you a question and I totally blanked. It'll come back to you. It will, it will. But, oh, that, you know, you, you, people look at you like, oh, you got 1.4 million followers, but mm -hmm. it really was a grind. I was reading up on some of the <laughs> conversations you've had with people. Can you tell us a story of how you got in the beginning? How did you get folks to subscribe to you mm -hmm. to get to know who you are as an artist? Well, as you know, with this podcast, with any creative endeavor, getting started is by far the hardest part. Yeah. Like just getting started is like, it's like this huge stare. You got to get on that first stair and then the next ones are just regular size stairs. But yeah. just getting to that up past that first stair is so difficult because you don't even know where to start, you know? And that's, I kind of just followed my intuition. I had, um, if you want the full story, yeah. I, I got uh, kind of screwed over in business. I was a freelancer for uh, five or six years after college and that was going really well for a while. I did projects for like Facebook, Intel, Johnson & Johnson, like pretty big companies and the money yeah. was, was good, but every job was exactly the same where I was just trying to please, you know, a few people within that company. Like I wasn't trying to really make art mm. please and make a couple people happy. So like my heart wasn't in it. You know, I had a mantra when I was making these videos, like just get it done. The name yeah. of the game is just get it done. Like it doesn't have to even look good. Just, just make them happy. And they would have the dumbest requests and I just do it because that's, that's what you do when you want to get paid, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, I, w- I was thankful for, you know, I'm still like, I didn't have that much to, compl- to complain about, you know, I'm still doing art and getting paid. And like, how much can you possibly complain about that? Um, but as a freelancer and an individual, you, sometimes you get screwed over and there's nothing you can do about it. Like you can either sue or you can just accept it. And I, I got asked by a presidential candidate in 2016 to do a video for them. And I'm not into politics. Like I don't want to latch onto either side, Yeah. And, but it was a big opportunity. Whoa. And, you know, when opportunities come around, I'm like, you don't say no. So uh-huh. I moved forward with it. Uh, did a lot of work. Long story short, the project got dropped and I didn't get paid. Wow. And so it was a, it was kind of a battle over getting paid. I lost and had to just suck it up. And I was like, you know what, this is a sign though. Like, you know, you never know if anything's good or bad in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like now I'm really glad that happened. Yeah. That gave me the final push to just be like, look, I'm done with this for a little bit. Yeah. yeah, let me give myself a year to pursue something different. Let me switch gears. Mm. So <clears throat> that's in the, in that moment, pretty much that week, I was just like, I'm going to, tr- I'm going to start a YouTube channel. And I was like, that first step is the hardest. You're like, is it going to be about science? Is it going to be about history? Like what, what am I going to do? And uh, I just landed on after school. Cause it's so, it's so open-ended. Yeah. You can talk about anything and it, it'll fit under that umbrella of after school. Right. And uh, the first couple of videos I made were, were really like anti-capitalism. Let's go uh, back. Let's I, was, I was pretty bitter about what had happened to me. And like, I was like, you know what? Screw capitalism. Screw the system. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I, I gave myself one year to hit 100,000 subscribers. I'm like, I'm going to say no to all the freelance jobs for one year. Give myself mm-hmm. one year and just keep my head down and create and, and stick to a schedule. I'm gonna post a video every week and I'm gonna do that for one year and let's see what happens. So I tried all these different techniques to grow the channel. Um, in the beginning, like literally just going out on the street and getting people to take out their phones and subscribe was the best way. Like, like I'm like canvassing. I'm like, what yeah. are, you, are you trying to get me to sign up for? No, it's a YouTube yeah. channel. You know, like, <laughs> outside, like Pizza Orgasmic at uh, two in the morning, uh-huh. drop uh-huh. people online. And I'm like, hey, do you have a YouTube account? Uh, no. Do you have a Gmail account? Yeah. Here, here, oh. just put your phone out. And like, I get all these random people to subscribe. Oh. And uh, so my goal was to hit 100,000 subscribers at a year. Mm. And probably six months in, I wasn't even at 1,000 yet. Wow. So I'm thinking, like, I'm getting a little deterred at that point. <laughs> I put in all this work. Nobody's watching the videos. It seems like it's kind of a bust. Um, the channel doesn't really have a sense of direction yet. I'm just kind of reaching. I'm, I'm looking, I'm trying to like chase what's popular. Mm. You know, I'm not really paving the way. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Oh, people want to see that. Let me try to do that. <laughs> so I, I was really, I didn't have my own like identity yet for the channel. Um, <clears throat> but if you keep trying, eventually something takes off. So my first video that did well was, um, the millennials in the workforce. I was going to say, which, which one was your breakthrough? And I saw this one had 5.5 million views three years ago. So yeah, that one, um, I guess it just touched on something. Mm-hmm. And this was one of the first ones I did that wasn't written by me. This was a much longer video and it was mm-hmm. taking audio from somebody else. Uh, so I think latching on to this guy's success and 
helped me kind of piggyback off of his name. Mm. And, and then he shared it. Gentleman. This is Simon Sinek. So he, he loved the video and he shared it all over the place. And that helped to, uh, and all of a sudden, like, you know, it took a thousand or it took six months to get to a thousand. And all of a sudden in like a week, I had like 10,000. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, here we go. Mm. This is how you do it. So I'm like, let me replicate this. So I did one for Joe Rogan and then Joe Rogan shared it. And then you get another 20,000 and you're like, oh, okay, this is now I have the formula. Mm. And then it was, <clears throat> it's weird how these things happen. It's like, can it's I not, backtrack real quick? Yeah, I, I, wanna, I just want to, what, what attracted you to this speech? Because you know, it's about <clears throat> no way to summarize it. Like our generation doesn't have the patience, you know, because we're distracted by so many things and we <clears throat> want to be rewarded quickly. And so can you, can you tell me a little bit about when you heard this speech or this conversation, you connected to this and you said, I want to do this piece. Hmm. Can you walk us through that moment and like, why do you think, uh, you know, aside from the resharing because that made a big part, how did you, you know, you pull, you put your all into to this video? Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think I just heard it and it really resonated. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I can I can see the words as visuals, mm -hmm. uh, not with all speeches, but sometimes. And this one, I really thought that the animation would would enhance the message. Yeah, um, a lot of a lot of speeches are very personal, mm -hmm. and it wouldn't make any sense for me to draw that person over and over again. Yeah, but he kind of touched on so many things that uh, that's when the animation really enhances the message. When you're covering all sorts of different topics, it helps the person keep a focus, and it helps them put. Um, Put the words into a visual most people are visual learners you know yeah um some people are audio some are some have to do it some have to read it and this format kind of combines all the different all four learning styles and it's genius because i don't know if you i mean i don't know if you knew this or now it's a topic of conversation like oh the attention span is so short attention right. span is so short uh, i don't know if you already knew that or you just felt like this was the type of uh, message you want to get across in like two to four minutes. Was there a formula to, or this one's 12 minutes, but it was there a formula? Well, you know, what's weird is, is the attention span is really short in in some regards, mm -hmm. but it's weird how podcasts have really emerged, you know, like yeah. this. So I, I don't know if this requires a really long attention span to listen to a podcast, but it's, it's interesting how podcasts have just like taken off in the last 10 years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I guess maybe people are craving something more real, like just a real conversation instead of like sound bites. Yeah. And so speaking of, uh, podcasts going yeah. back, I know you touched on it, but I want to come back. Right. What relationship do you have with this podcast and Paul Stamets or Stamets? <laughs> yeah. So I watched the Joe Rogan podcast, probably one out of 10 episodes I watch. I don't watch every one. Um, there's certain guests that I see and I'm like, I got to watch this one. Uh, it's funny. Another Lowell student, he shared this with me, mm. uh, Spencer McDonald. Mm. Uh, he, he sent this to me. Spencer. You should animate this. And when I heard it, I, I was like, this is, this is big. Like I got to do this. Um, it was that same feeling when I heard the millennial speech, uh -huh. you just, you hear something. And the second you hear it, you're like, all right, this is going to be gold. 
Um, I get that feeling a lot now these days. Earlier on, I was like reaching for it. And now I'm always like, all right, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. Uh, and the topic of conversation was about magic mushrooms or medicinal mushrooms, however you want to name them. Sure. Um, was, uh, was that something that, well, have you tried them? I have. Yeah, me too. Right? <laughs> they're like, they're a great experience. Um, you know, I think everything has got to be taken the right time, right moment, but, um, it can be a good uh, journey for people to kind of see from within, right? Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't like force them on anybody. If, but if people want to try them, they're they're to me they're not like a huge commitment. Yeah, they're not even a drug or anything. You don't have to like synthesize them or do any kind of chemical alteration to them. It's just a mushroom from the ground, and you eat it, and it's, it's just it's amazing that they would have that kind of psychoactive impact just from the ground, you know, you don't have to boil it or do anything. Um, and I guess my experience with mushrooms is like, it was, I, at first I saw it as more of like a party thing mm. I did it when I was 18 for the first time in Amsterdam. And it was, it was a, almost like a party thing. And I didn't do it for like eight years since that. Um, and then I, I guess I kind of just eased into it. I don't, I don't do them that much, um, but I have had great experiences. And I, I feel like one of the best things that you get from psilocybin mushrooms is it, it really just kind of takes away any fear you have. It really just suppresses fear or it, it, it makes you kind of confront the core of the issue right? and go head on into your fears and just annihilate them. And yeah. Then, and, I heard a really good analogy from the author, Michael Pollan, about what mushrooms do to your mind. Is like, if, you're, if your brain is like a ski slope and your neurons are kind of like the tracks that skis leave behind when you go down the track, and like the more people go down that track, the deeper the groove gets. So like, let's say you smoke a lot. Well, that neural connection is like a really deep groove in your mind. And when you take psilocybin mushrooms, it's like fresh powder. So a lot of times when you take these mushrooms, things that didn't make sense before suddenly make sense. And the funny thing is a lot of things that used to make sense no longer make sense. You're like, why was I doing that? You know? Yeah. 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 So you just, it makes you think it pulls you out of your, your daily routine and you can kind of see things from a bird's eye view. Yeah. And, and I remember seeing, um, uh, for example, Joe Rogan talking extensively about it, but I wanted to talk about seeing him reshare your video. I don't know if it was on social media or in what outlet, but I said to myself, that looks so familiar. Like I've seen that art piece before. It's like, can it really be? And I looked into it and I saw it with you. I was like, holy crap, hmm. that's what's up. Cause I also listened to the Joe Rogan uh, podcast um, here and there. So uh, you know, I thought that was pretty amazing. And so how did it feel when you finally got to this point? Oh, man. <laughs> what happens when you reach a million? Do you get like an email? Do you get a phone call from YouTube or what happens? So actually, uh, the CEO of, of YouTube, she, get, she gives you a call. And okay. she, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I've never reached a million. Uh -huh. I guess a million. It was so surreal. Like I never even thought I was going to get to 100,000. And then um, 
I don't know, the million, I pretty much, I was living in San Francisco when I hit a million. And I remember walking up to like the top of Twin Peaks just by myself. It was at like midnight. Yeah. And I just stood up there and just like looked out at the, the view for like, I don't know, an hour, just like trying to process what, what was going on. Cause I don't know, like you gotta be grateful. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> but it, it's so surreal. You know, I'm like, how did I, how did this happen? How did I get here? Yeah. And so like, what, what kind of, uh, let me see this one right here. So we'll talk about this in a little bit. For sure. Kind of stay back into, and talk about after school. Like, where do you see it like evolving? Do you like this formula? Cause I've seen the Mike Tyson one that you did mm -hmm. just recently. Is that like, uh, is, is that really enjoyable for you to look at quotes and really identify with them and recreate them? Mm -hmm. Or are you thinking of other, other ways of, of using after school? Well, I think a lot of people relate to after school videos because I, I'm not like this master teacher or a PhD. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not an expert in anything. So I, I find these ideas that I find to be really interesting. And I try to distill it down in a way where I can understand it and communicate it almost to like a, an eighth grader. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm taking these really kind of complex abstract ideas and trying to filter them down so they're visual and they're really easy to digest. But not in a way where it's like I'm telling you how to do things or behave. Um, the story of after school is kind of just almost like the story of my own evolution as a human. And I think we're all going through a very similar journey. Some of us were at different points on the same path, but mm. we're all kind of trying to improve ourselves and figure out who we are as people. And after school is just kind of like my own personal journey. Like you can see from the first video to the video now, there's been a lot of evolution. Like I, yeah. I look back at those first videos and I'm like, you know, I would never do something like that again. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, in the most recent list of videos that you've uh, created, um, is there one in particular that stands out or there's a story behind one of them that, you know, just, uh, mm. <clears throat> well, you know what? Let me bring up this one. Mm. You have this and this was older. But I also want to talk about this. Why did you make a book? Ah, you I, I was like looking up I'm like, whoa, wait, hold up. This one created a book. Why don't country flags use the color purple? So uh, fortunately, I have these videos as kind of almost yeah. like a testing ground to see what ideas really resonate with people. And this was a topic that I wrote down. I, I have like hundreds of things that I write down. Like I'll be writing on the train, Bart, and I'll look around and I'll be like, why is this tunnel like this? Mm -hmm write that question down yeah you know, why do people walk on two legs you know all these yeah. questions or i'll have a conversation with you and i'll probably after this conversation i'll write down like three more things yeah and i'll take those questions and i'll look on the internet has anybody answered that question and if, if a thousand people have already answered the question and has millions of views already it's already saturated you know yeah. but this question it was so weird that nobody had answered it before oh. you know it's like it's one of those questions that you never think about. And then when you see the question, you need to know the answer. Yeah. So, um, this video, I, <clears throat> it was weird because I put it out on my channel. I had about, I don't know, like 150,000 subscribers at the time. This was pretty early on. I put this out and I remember I was at an airport and I, my phone was like blowing up. It was like, I was looking at the views of this video and I called my friend who worked at Google. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I, I think, 
I think there's a glitch. Like, <laughs> the video has a million views. Yeah. That's insane. What, what's going on? And he's like, I, I don't think it's a glitch. You're on the trending page. No way. Uh, so I got off the flight, and the video had 4 million views. So it, it just, <clears throat> if you look at my, my YouTube analytics, like if you zoom all the way out and look at like the entire history of my channel, yeah. it's like a line. And then there's just like this peak that goes insanely high. And yeah. that was that one day where I guess it hit the trending page and I got over a hundred thousand subscribers in that one week from that video. So the good thing so about what's, you, what's the answer? <clears throat> well, if only there was a video or a book, right? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're gonna look for the answer in a little bit, but as I'm looking yeah. for it, why did you why did you make a hard hmm. why did you make an actual book instead of keeping it digital? Yeah, forgetting to answer your actual question. <laughs> um, this video did so well, I was like, all right, clearly there's a high demand for this particular topic. So um I was pretty lucky to have a neighbor who was a Pulitzer Prize winning author. Um, his name's uh, Matt Richtel, and I was like, what do you think about this idea? And he's like, his, his little daughter was in the room. She's like seven. Mm -hmm. She's like, he's like, honey, do you care why, why no country flags use the color purple? She's like, I love purple. Purple's my favorite color. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I was like, well, why don't I make purple like characters? Why don't I make the colors characters in the story expand upon it? So then it becomes like this adventure story of the colors and um, it really gave it like another element. And it, it actually teaches like some life lessons, like not to make fun of people because you don't know their full story. Like everybody makes fun of purple in the beginning of the story because purple's not on any, any flags, you know, like red and orange are like, I'm on all these flags, how come you're not? And then in the end we find out how special purple is and that's, you know, at the end, purple's like flexing. It's flexing. Purple like thinks they're really cool. The character purple. So is that the octopus? So this book hasn't really sold that much. I, I wasn't planning on like getting rich. That's okay. Book, but it, it is really nice to have a book. I've got like a thousand boxes of these books at my house, just stacked up. But it's a, it makes a really nice gift and. Couple a couple of bookstores are are selling it locally, even though they're kind of all closed down. Mm -hmm. um, the West Portal Bookshop in San Francisco has been probably my biggest um, backer of this. We were going to have a big book party there, big book launch, and unfortunately, due to the, the whole pandemic, uh, we weren't able to do that. So I'm not going to answer the question then because I have seen um, the okay. video. So I'll let everyone go and, yeah. and find the answer. It's a one minute, what is it, a few minutes long? Uh, you'll find out why. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where are you? I, a story. I'm, uh, that was, that was, I was not expecting that. So I want to go to talk about this real quick and what this, what memories you have with this space and where <laughs> is it? Man, that's Beach LA. Uh, that's after it's been remodeled. Yeah. And uh, there was a, there was a controversy around it. And the reason I want to bring it up, you know, it's like a conversation about the two cities that we live in right mm -hmm. now, you know? You know, yeah. people were saying that they didn't want to rebuild the soccer field because they were fighting for the city's soul. But, uh, you know, the other folks said, look at it differently. It's funny because these soccer fields are, it seems like a small deal. Oh, it's mm -hmm. just a soccer field. 
but it's actually kind of uh, a magnifying glass on a much bigger issue that was going on in the city. So mm -hmm. one thing that kept happening is you'd have kids that had no money at all that just want to play soccer. Mm. And then all these tech companies, all these tech workers would, would start these soccer leagues. So they'd have like a game, Facebook versus uh, Dropbox. And they would, it's a public field, but then they would rent it out to these, uh, you know, they're not evil people, but they, right. they would pay to be there. And then it would constantly happen. They'd have a permit, you know, so they had every right to be there, they paid. But all these kids who couldn't pay were then kicked off the field. And this would happen all the time. So I guess these soccer fields started to become like kind of a, there was a few videos that went viral mm -hmm. of just kids saying, what, this is our field, you know, this has been yeah. our field forever. We've been playing here. Yeah. I think, you, yeah, you've probably seen that video. That mm -hmm. was the mission. Yeah, it's like two blocks from where um, I live. I don't know the guy's name in that video, but he actually went to rooftop. The one that yeah. was talking. Yeah. <laughs> so um, how I got involved was I, I just love playing soccer. And initially with this issue, my dad is, uh, is involved in local politics. He wanted to keep these fields in Golden Gate Park grass, mm -hmm. natural grass. Mm -hmm. And I was actually in favor of turning them into turf fields because with grass, the field's always closed because you can only play on grass like an hour per day, mm -hmm. all torn up. But with turf, you can play on it 10, you can play on it as long as you want. <clears throat> and so initially I was like in favor of the turf and my dad was in favor of the grass and, <laughs> and they did this kind of article about how it's like two generations. Like my dad is the old way that's getting kind of kicked out. And I'm like the young tech person that's, you know, moving this agenda forward. <clears throat> but, you know, I've actually, I think the article kind of took things out of context and of made course. it me and my dad were really feuding when we, we weren't at all. Um, but since then, you know, the, I really am not a big fan of turf fields anymore. Like if I could go back in time, <laughs> uh -huh. um, like I love playing on grass and I feel bad that a lot of kids now don't get a chance to play on grass because I don't know when you, when you play on grass, you have this like refreshed feeling when you're done. And mm. even if you have like dirt and grass on you, you still feel like pretty good. Yeah. And after you play on turf, you have like these plastic little BBs all over you. You just, it doesn't, and it's kind of hard on your joints. This is like, a whole another topic yeah but it's just well, really that, grass i mean you're 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 i mean that says a lot about your character right how um at a one get at a point in time you had this idea and and, and you were uh fully um uh, supporting you know the the idea of having turf mm -hmm. and then you just you adapt or you change you know i know there was a quote that that is uh, that you tend to reference is it is the mark of an intelligent man to play with an idea without accepting it, mm. you know? So at the time you, you might've, you know, you played with the idea and it, to you, that seemed like the solution. Fast forward, what, six years? Now you have a different perspective, <clears throat> uh, you know, and yeah. it's based on kind of your, uh, your experience, mm. you know? You know, you one thing about just kind of how that, that, that quote, um, that quote is throughout life. That quote means a lot. Um, I think about that quote a lot, actually, because uh, you know we're so polarized right now in society. We're so divided, and it's almost like you have to pick a side. Yeah. What side are you? If you're not on this side, you're on the other side. And I've kind of got this mentality, like, no, I don't need to pick a side. I can make my own side. 
Mm. Like, <clears throat> I don't, I no longer get clinged to any ideology. Like, I want to learn as much as possible, but I'm not going to like latch on to any one ideology and claim that as my identity. Mm. Like, I, I don't do that anymore. And, um, you know, if you're wrong, you're wrong, you know, you, and you can, you actually make yourself more credible by admitting you're wrong. I've been wrong many times on the YouTube channel and there's no worse feeling than when you put a video out to a million people and you get like a hundred thousand people telling you that you're, you're an idiot and you're wrong. <laughs> so then, you know, you really, you can either kind of hide in your little hole and uh, you can buckle down and try to fight them. Or you can, you can say, you know what, I was wrong. And, and mm. you can go from there. Mm. So, um, yeah. Now that's a real city ambassador. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, maybe kind of just to, to wrap it up, I want to, I always ask the same three questions to everyone I have on the podcast conversation, what have you. Your favorite um, restaurant in San Francisco, can you shout mm. them out? Or at the moment, what's your favorite one? Like? one. I mean, the first one that comes to, to mind is La Corneta. Which in, one? La, La Corneta in Glen Park. Uh-huh. Okay. The original uh, one then. I go there probably twice a week. <laughs> and oh, like, okay. I don't they just know exactly what I want. And yeah, they, I know. And they, they branched out and they're in the mission now, but I know they have some smacking burritos for sure. <laughs> and what's what's your favorite plate? Um, I always get a vegetarian burrito. No way. It's like really simple, just rice, beans, and like all their veggies. And it it's great. Uh there's also a restaurant called Lavash on 7th and Earth. Uh shoot, I don't know. L E V A S H. Uh, uh V instead of B. Like V is in van. Yeah. Let's see. Here you go. Yeah. Ooh, this is my soccer teammates restaurant. And I'm like Where is it located? Really trying to support his restaurant cuz I know that they it's been tough, like, and they're really trying to hold on through the, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And like, I just, like, I talked to him and I know how hard it is just to like stay in business right now. And every time there's another restriction, it's like, they're so close to, to falling off the edge and, and going out of business. And it's so important that we support businesses like, you know, Lavash and all the other family owned ones. Um, maybe they are slightly more expensive, but actually they're, they're pretty reasonably priced, but yeah. You know the food is awesome, and you're supporting like you're a family, and you're keeping them alive in the city. And you know we need that. I love it. I love it. Your yeah. favorite uh, park? Park. <clears throat> um, Golden Gate Park is like <laughs> the one I can. Th- you can get lost in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Love it. Love it. And what's your favorite street? Favorite street. Probably my street. <laughs> I don't know. Where do you live, bro? Uh, <laughs> What's your street? Uh, Favorite street. I like the Great Highway a lot. Nice. You know, like I feel like, as if you're a local, mm-hmm. when you're in high school on the west side, like the farther out west you go, mm-hmm. the more things slow down. Like when you're when you're east, you're in Soma, you're in downtown. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of concrete and metal and people meter maids and it's, it's just like, I feel stressed out. But when I go yeah. the farther west I go, the more I'm able to just like, okay, this is like, this is comfortable, this is soul food right here. 
I love it. That's yeah. great, man. That's that's the first for sure. Cool, Mark, man. Thank cool, you. Man. Yeah, bro. Do you have anything else you want to say? Uh, I know you also just moved out, but you know, I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure you have the spirit of San Francisco everywhere you go. Well, I just want to say to you, thanks for having me on, and and congratulations on you buying that house and yeah. You know, thanks to you for for staying in the city because it's like people like you that make the community um, wholesome and and grow and you know a lot of these tech people or you know the super rich Salesforce Tower people they could care less if if they're not really invested in the community they'll leave if, if a pandemic happens that's what we're seeing yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah. You know, they'll pick up and take their stuff wherever it can serve them but it's like the locals and the natives that that stick it out and that make the community. Yeah, we want to grow ambassadors, you know, people that have your experience, my experience and others experience that are, you know, true to this this area, um, whatever truth may may be to them. Right. So I'm just glad to to be a part of it. Awesome. All right, my brother. Take care, man. Take care. All right, everybody. Peace. Have a good Monday. Peace.